This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where, frankly, this has turned into Nikki Freed Day. She's all over the podcast. For starters, she continues to do the governor's job providing updates on COVID. And just this morning, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services released new numbers showing that 13,977 COVID patients in Florida. Florida marking the eighth consecutive day the state has broken its own hospitalization records. The governor has ordered that masks cannot be made mandatory when classes resume, but school board members say they're the ones who should make that decision. School board members are duly elected to represent their their communities, their students, their employees, their constituents. Each individual district should have the right and the authority to make the decisions they deem to be most effective for their communities. Today on Sunrise, you'll hear from Leela Harley, a young girl from Jacksonville who wrote a letter to her school board pleading for a mask mandate. I wrote this letter because of my, my brother. He is 10 years old and is not eligible to get the vaccine. And I just don't want him or any other kids that can't get vaccinated uh, to get sick at school. And Commissioner Freed is urging local officials to ignore the governor's no mask mandate when they make their plans for the upcoming school year. If we get vaccinated, listen to the public health officials and follow recommended masking guidelines, we can get this virus under control. Instead, the governor is playing politics with our lives and the lives of our children. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and the stories of two Florida men. One put hidden cameras in the bathroom of his martial arts studio, the other bit off part of another man's ear. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, August 10th. This is National Lazy Day, National S'mores Day, and National Spoil Your Dog Day. On this date in 1835, a mob of 500 whites and 100 oxen pulled a black school out of Canaan, New Hampshire and into a swamp. In 1897, German chemist Felix Hoffmann first synthesized acetosilic acid, which would later be patented by his company, Bayer, under the name Aspirin. In 1970, Jim Morrison's trial for lewd and lascivious behavior began in Miami. In 1977, postal employee David Berkowitz was arrested in Yonkers, New York, accused of being the son of Sam, the 44 caliber killer. And on this date in 2019, financier and pedophile Jeffrey Epstein was found dead in his cell in New York while awaiting trial for sex trafficking charges. First things first, the number of new COVID cases, 28,317. The number of new deaths, 120. The total number of deaths, 39,934. Don't worry, though, it's just a seasonal thing, if you believe the governor. He couldn't join us today, so we present the wit and wisdom of Nikki Freed, the governor's unofficial stand-in. Now that Ron DeSantis has pretty much stopped doing public briefings on the COVID crisis, Florida's Commissioner of Agriculture and Consumer Services has stepped up to fill the void. In Monday's update, Freed talked about the rising number of hospital admissions, which have set new records for eight straight days. As of August 6th, which was the first was the last time the Florida Department of Health reported to the CDC. Florida had 22,903 new cases, marking a record high two days in a row, and the third time in a week that the state surpassed its previous high ever. 
An additional 93 lives were lost as total deaths in Florida reached nearly 40,000. And just this morning, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services released a new numbers showing that 13,977 COVID patients in Florida. Florida marking the eighth consecutive day the state has broken its own hospitalization records, reaching the highest point during the pandemic this entire time. Of those hospitalized, 2,836 patients are in the ICU, accordingly accounting for nearly 45% of all ICU beds in Florida. All 67 counties are currently listed as areas of a high community transmission, which the CDC recommends individuals in such areas wear masks in public indoor settings regardless of vaccination status. The only good news in these numbers is that Florida's vaccination rate continues to inch upward. Now, with 49.5% of the state's population fully vaccinated. While there is some positive movement when it comes to vaccination rates, it is still very troubling that less than half of Florida is fully vaccinated. As the numbers of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths show, our state continuing to move in a very dangerous direction. The record high numbers of cases and hospitalizations come as healthcare workers are sounding the alarm about how much more aggressive the Delta variant is and how they are seeing younger and healthier patients getting sicker and sicker as a result. And as schools across the state are about to welcome back students into the classroom as a new academic year begins, parents, teachers, and kids are scared for their safety and the safety of their loved ones. They've got a good reason to be scared. While the early versions of COVID pretty much left kids alone, the Delta variant doesn't care about age. Everyone is at risk. According to the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Children's Hospital Association, pediatric cases make up nearly 20% of COVID-19 cases nationwide. And last week, Florida set a record for the most children hospitalized for COVID. From July 30th through August 5th, the state health department reported an additional 13,858 cases among those ages 12 to 19, as well as 13,596 cases among those under 12 of age who are unable to get vaccinated. Tragically, a 16-year-old in Jacksonville died of COVID-19 on Thursday. I have three stepsons, and I cannot imagine the grief of that family and all of the families whose children are currently hospitalized with COVID-19. These are our kids. We should be doing everything possible to keep them safe. But the governor's actions and the numbers now show Florida is failing our children. And the worst part is, it didn't have to be this bad. We have the answers. We know that if, you get, if we get vaccinated, listen to the public health officials and follow recommended masking guidelines, we can get this virus under control. Instead, the governor is playing politics with our lives and the lives of our children. While local governments have been making the hard decisions throughout the pandemic to do the right thing for their communities, they know what's best. He has created chaos, confusion, and panic across our entire state. 
going as far as threatening to withhold funding from school boards that require masks in their schools. School boards should absolutely have the authority to make decisions that are in the best interest of their students and teachers without facing political retribution, period. One of the kids who's counting on adults to do the right thing is 12-year-old Leela Hartley of Jacksonville. Last week, she wrote to the Duval County School Board, urging members to consider a mask requirement when the new school year begins. And Freed invited her to a Zoom conference to share that story. I wrote this letter because of my, my brother. He is 10 years old and is not eligible to get the vaccine. And I just don't want him or any other kids that can't get vaccinated uh, to get sick at school, especially if it's like a place that means so much to us. Have you had any response back from, from the schools? Not from specific schools, but I did get a, a, a response from one of the board members. They told me that they were taking this seriously and that they were listening to the science and like that. And do you think it may make it harder for some kids who want to wear masks if their friends aren't wearing them too um, because they're not required? Uh, sometimes it can be hard to do the right thing when the people around you aren't always doing the right thing. Yeah, it's uh, definitely, it's definitely hard. So why, why do you cho choose to be wearing a mask even though that you're vaccinated? Uh, I choose to wear a mask because even though I'm vaccinated, I can still get sick and everyone hates being sick. That is yeah. not a good feeling. Um, also, my, my younger brother, Will, I don't want to get him sick if I get it because I wasn't wearing a mask. Um, and keep my friends and other students from not getting, from keep my other friends and people from getting sick. Well, that is awesome. And, and taking care of, you know, being a good big sister and, and taking care of your little brother and the rest of your friends. Um, that, is, that is just so awesome uh, for that you're doing this. And so what message do you want to share with everyone who might be listening here today? I want to share that masks help us be safe, everyone, unvaccinated and vaccinated. And that if and that enforcing these masks will really help keep students and staff and families safe uh, from this virus that is just so terrible. It's definitely a lot different from previous years of coming, going to school. Um, it's definitely a little bit scary because I don't know what it's going to be like at school with masks and everything and whether I am going to be in danger of getting my family or myself sick. Um, so it's definitely a little bit nerve-wracking, a little bit nervous. Still no formal answer from the school board, but they don't have much choice. The governor says no mask mandates, and unless you want to sue, you go along. Verna Brock is a member of the Wakulla County School Board, and she says the governor has no business making this decision for them. I'm here today simply to say that school board members are duly elected. 
to represent their, their communities, their students, their employees, their constituents. Each individual district should have the right and the authority to make the decisions they deem to be most effective for their communities. Liberty County has different challenges than Broward or Duval, and I think without a doubt, the governor should reconsider his stance and allow these different communities to make the choices they feel are most effective for their community. But there are some school boards that are fighting back against the governor's anti-mask mandate, and Commissioner Freed is urging more districts to stand up for their rights. I mean, we're seeing um, all over the state uh, school boards making that really, you know, having those conversations. And so we've seen, I want to say anywhere between five and 10 last week that, that had some type of mask mandate. Um, right now they have an opt-out option. I know Dade County is still making a decision um, the next week or so because they're starting a little bit later in their schools. I think their school doesn't start for another few weeks. Um, but we are also in commun communication with the White House. And so I need our school boards to understand, um, you know, that, that you're making a, a decision, you know, to, to be, you know, more, you know, whether to follow the governor and to um, put political and potential ramifications on the line or do what's best for the health and safety of our children. And when in conversations with the White House, we are working through that if in fact the governor does take away funding from the schools, uh, that we are gonna figure out how to get our school districts backed up um, because this, we can't be harming our kids. They aren't the enemy here. The virus is the enemy and we know how to beat this. And the fact that we are seeing our pediatric hospitals filling up um, is unacceptable. So we need our school board members to be stepping up, do what's right for your communities, do what's right for our kids. Don't focus on the political and financial ramifications. We will get your back because you are doing what's right for our children. Um, but I certainly hope that the governor understands that these school boards are doing what they believe is in the right interest of their kids. And that is their constitutional duty is to protect um, our kids when they're inside of our, our, of our care, inside of the classroom during the day, and that this stick is unacceptable. Um, this authoritarian, it's either his way or the highway, and at the expense of our children. You're not hurting the school board members by taking away funding. You're hurting Lila and her friends and, and, and making sure that they have their teachers and they have a productive school year. Um, so I, I, I'm pleading with the governor um, back down on this one that this is this is one that that you're that the you see the polls the parents want that want to make sure that their kids are being protected in the schools and, and parents right now are having to make very tough decisions as our numbers continue to um, increase our hospitalization numbers were again today a record number um, our school board members are just trying to do right by, by their by the their responsibility of protecting our kids one more thing, Freed could not resist commenting on the governor's new law that says businesses, like cruise ships, cannot force passengers to submit proof of vaccination. That law was challenged by Norwegian Cruise Lines that very much supports the idea of vaccine passports, and a federal judge has sided with the cruise line. Late breaking this morning, we also have heard that a federal court has overrode the governor's decision in regards to vaccines on our cruise ships. The cruise line industry has said, these are our life jackets. This is how we protect our people. Can you imagine if we had a rule that said life jackets were not allowed on cruises? That is what is happening here. Let our local businesses and our corporations do what they believe is right for their employees 
and for their consumers. This is what's called free market. They are doing their part. We need to let them do what is necessary to protect the people that are coming in contact with whether it is a cruise or our local businesses. What does the governor have to say about all this? Not a damn thing. But his office did issue a press release on the passing of Coach Bobby Bowden. Today is the deadline for state candidates and political committees to file their financial reports for all activities through the end of July. Trustees at the University of South Florida hold a series of committee meetings at 8, followed by a full meeting of the board at 3.15. The Revenue Estimating Conference will analyze issues involving fiscally constrained counties at 8.30, followed by a discussion about the revenue outlook at 8.45 and the Unemployment Trust Fund at 9. The Suwannee River Water Management District meets at 9 in Live Oak. The Public Service Commission holds an online hearing at 10 to take input from Tampa Electric customers about rate increases. Lisa Ludoff Perlo, president and CEO of Celebrity Cruises, speaks to the Economic Club of Florida at 11.15. Trustees at the Florida State College at Jacksonville hold a workshop at noon, followed by a regular meeting at 1. The Education Estimating Conference meets at 1.30 to analyze issues related to student financial aid. Senator Jeff Brandis will take part in a Connected Commerce Council webinar at 2 about how technology fuels state growth. And trustees of Palm Beach State College meet at 4 in Lake Worth. Police in Pembroke Pines have arrested a Florida man after receiving reports of hidden cameras in the restroom of his martial arts academy. Investigators say a 17-year-old female student of 64-year-old Robert Franco noticed two hidden cameras inside picture frames on a shelf in the bathroom of his business. The student took pictures of the hidden cameras then confronted Franco, who police said immediately destroyed the cameras. Investigators searched his phone and computer and found images of children and adults. He's facing multiple charges of video voyeurism. And finally today, a Florida man is accused of going all Mike Tyson and biting off part of a man's ear in the Florida Keys. 45-year-old James Len Williams of Port St. Lucie was vacationing with a group of friends when a woman passed out and Williams put her in a wheelbarrow to carry her back to her hotel room. Witnesses say he dumped beer on the woman, insulted her. That led to a scuffle, and the victim said Williams bit part of his ear off as others tried to separate the two. He's charged with aggravated battery, battery by strangulation, and simple battery. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.